Shoot, I sort of lost my train of thought there. I don't know why I'd, I had a question in my head and it just disappeared. That's fine. Shit. <laughs> what the heck was I just going to ask you? Uh, you were talking about... Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember. Okay. Um, Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pursuing Pixels. My name is Kevin Portelli, and I'm here again tonight or this afternoon again with uh, our pal Kevin Cole, who's joining us for the second week in a row, although we're recording these uh, back to back. But how you doing, uh, Kevin? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for taking so much time out of your day here to chat some uh, games earlier. And now we'll uh, chat some of your games. And uh, I guess beyond that, because you do far more than just games and definitely far more than just video games as well, because you uh, definitely get beyond the the digital realm when it comes to games, uh, which is one of the things I really want to pick your brain about the most is your board tabletop game that's in development, I think, currently mm. Space Kings. Yeah. Um, and really my only frame of reference for this other than like, you know, scoping out your stuff on your itch.io page and whatever. Um, and, you know, scrolling through the the Space Kings kind of website and whatnot. Um, but I did listen to a couple of your uh, p- podcasts of Pretend Friends. It's been a long time, but I believe you guys were playing Space Kings in that podcast. And it was just really interesting having no real frame of reference for the game other than like a really light, you know, glossing over the you know, the surface of it. It yeah. was, it was really cool to kind of listen to that. Cause I've, I've listened to some other kind of D and D themed podcasts or whatever that kind of base around like a tabletop game or whatever. And so this was kind of interesting to be like, Oh, I, you know, I, I didn't even really know that there was like this world of indie tabletop games and Oh, there is a huge world of them. Oh, but for Space sure. Kings is really, it seems really exciting. It seems like there's quite a bit of like quite a, quite a few folks that are excited for this one. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, we did that Space Kings Kickstarter a long time ago and because of the pandemic and because like we all have other responsibilities, it's taken us a super long time to get the actual Space Kings book out. Um, yeah. So I know a lot of people listening to this are pro- a, a good portion of the people listening to this who are like, oh, he's going to talk about Space Kings. Uh, <laughs> are going to ask for some kind of like explanation. But like, yeah, we've just been working on Space Kings for the past uh, two years I think two years. Yeah. For the past couple of years. Um, and, uh, it actually started even before that. Um, we, I, when I, uh, when I, when I quit my job to make video games, I ended up uh, moving back to my hometown and I, um, started a, a, a D and D group with, uh, with a bunch of my friends and, um, a, a, a couple of things happened where like D and D fourth edition was a little too complicated for us. And there were a few too many people at the table and we all kind of wanted to drink and we also wanted to play every week. <laughs> uh, so like we needed something a little more streamlined uh, to make that work. And I'm yeah. a, I'm a serially low roller when it comes to dice. Uh, I, I don't know <laughs> what it is, but I cannot roll high on a, on a 20 sided dice to save my life. So uh, I made up the system that uses playing cards uh, and I started it. I, I, made, I made a character sheet and like I told my friends to fill it out and we'd be doing a lot of fantasy. So I'm like, this is going to be space themed because we're getting away from fantasy. We're getting away from dice. We're going to we're going we're gonna to start our own thing. And uh, I'm I'm a big shot game designer now. I can make a tabletop game <laughs> like this was like a few months after I had quit my job. And that was sort of the start of Space Kings. And we just like played it and played it and played it for six years. Uh, we just played Dang. every week and we'd add, I'd add on uh, little parts of it. My friends would add on little parts of it. Like sometimes I'd host and like run the game. Sometimes other people would step up and host and I'd learn even more about the game from having other people do it. Yeah. And then I met uh, my friends, uh, Paul Ritchie, Nick Murphy and Josh Henderson. And uh, I was like, I was like, we, we should, uh, we should do a, a tabletop podcast because they're really popular and yeah, it, and we could do it, but really fun. And they're like, yeah, but we don't want to do a lot of math. And I'm like, I have something that doesn't use a lot of math. <laughs> so, uh, we, we, uh, we broke out the playing cards and we started recording, um, uh, pretend and friends. When, you, when, you, when yeah. you're saying playing cards, you're just talking like a regular deck of like yep. uh, standard 52 cards or whatever. Yep. Uh, I have, I have a pack on my desk right now. Uh, and, a, yeah. a nice Sriracha pack. I see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's actually 54 playing cards because the, uh, the, the ones you're concerned about, uh, are, 
the the face cards and the ace cards are successes, so they're the cards you want to get. Um, okay. The rest of the cards are just sort of neutral, don't really do anything. And the jokers are these wild twists of fate. When you flip a joker, the host kind of gets to take control of your action, and rather than like a straight-up success or failure, it becomes maybe a wacky catalyst for more trouble to happen. Um, okay. This was sort of inspired by uh, a lot of the improv games we play because in college uh, and high school, a lot of my friend, me and my friends, were, we were part of improv groups and we'd do a lot of improv shows and like play improv games and stuff like that. And yeah. that was the part of D and always liked was doing like wacky improv and voices and you know making my friends laugh. Yeah, and uh, so I, I was like, it'd be funny if like there were more opportunities because in a lot of games in D and D, if you roll a one, like we'll just we kind of let the dungeon master go wild with what happens. Like, you know, your sword breaks or like you trip and fall or rocks fall and everyone dies or whatever. Um, And I was like, I want more chaos in, in my, in my games. So the jokers became just the, the, you know, uh, blank check for the DM to go nuts. And yeah. yeah, So like we played, we, we played uh, space Kings on, um, uh, on this podcast, pretend friends and uh, you know, uh, people started listening to it and they really liked it. Um, uh, Paul, Nick and Josh do a web show called continue. And that had a lot of, uh, that has a lot of really awesome fans and they all, uh, a lot of them came over and started listening to pretend friends. And, um, now it kind of has its own community and that's really cool. And, uh, yeah. And, and all the while we were doing it, they're like, when's the, when's the book coming out? And I'm like, one sec. And so I spent like <laughs> the first two years of pretend friends, I was just writing the book in the background. Uh, and then, once I had finished the manuscript, I got my team together and we did a we did a Kickstarter and then a little thing called the COVID-19 pandemic hit and yep. suddenly it became a lot harder. So, and for a little while, we didn't think we'd have a postal service under a certain president. And that was right. Right. <laughs> that was a problem for people trying to ship a a, a, a book, physical uh, game of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. In, in between, like, you know, surviving, we've just been working on uh, this book. And hopefully like this year, it's it's all going to come to fruition the the space kings book is going to come out our backers are going to be super happy like uh it it's all it's all happening in 2022 so that's going to be really really amazing for us but that's sort of the story of space kings so far it's uh it was a little it was a little tabletop project that uh i made for my friends and then it it kind of grew semi unexpectedly like i hoped it would grow but like we yeah you know we've we've really seen some success with uh with the kickstarter and everyone seems really amped to uh play it so i'm and people uh like while we were doing the early uh episodes of uh, pretend friends people were figuring out how to play the game and just like making up their own rules and playing it oh that's so cool which i thought was super awesome (laughs) yeah that's got to be such a good feeling as like a designer like hey this this must sound so compelling to these people that like they're just they want to try to figure it out even if like it sounds so fun and that's even got to be a little bit of a surreal feeling to uh, number one have a podcast like based around a game that you made but Mm. also so based around a game that like kind of like almost came into its own through the podcast in a way. I mean, I know you said you were playing it for like six years yeah. before that. So it's like, it's not like it just happened overnight, but you know, it may, or maybe just gave you that extra kick of like, Hey, the, like my friends and I have a lot of fun playing this. Like maybe other people would have a lot of fun playing this too, if it was available for them, you know, one of the big issues with it was actually keeping it simple because we had been playing it for so many years. Um, and one of the big draws of it is that it, it's not like Dungeons and Dragons. You don't like really have levels or anything like that. Your characters kind of can shift around a bit, but they mostly stay the same. Um, yeah. And that's a that's by design uh, because I I wanted something that w- could disappear into the improv and the acting and stuff like that. Um, and I think Space Kings does that pretty well. Um while having some really like strong mechanics uh, happening under it, but uh, it, it, when you make a when you make a really simple game, the the challenge is like like what do you sell? Like I feel like I like I feel like I invented Foursquare or something like that. And it's, <laughs> and it's like yeah, anyone anyone with a deck of cards can play uh, Space Kings. You don't 
you don't really need much. You just kind of need like the the push. Like it's like you need the work. framework and the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, but sometimes those are the most fun games. Like when you're just like playing some random that like yeah. you know I can't even th- like just in my living room as a kid like keeping up a balloon up in the air yeah. from, with my brother. Like how long can we keep it up and just counting? And it's like I have more fond memories of that than. I don't know, doing something that I would in my mind at the time would seem more like memorable and more awesome. But at the same time, I more just remembered, yeah, diving around my living room with a balloon. Yeah. And like the direction and we knew that going in writing the book and the direction we decided to do um, was to help people more with the improv part and with the how to think on your feet and how to plan. Like it's uh, a lot of the pressure is on the host to sort of mediate between the chaos and to have like ideas and to like know how to take feedback from their players and work it back into the game. And we had kind of developed little uh, skills for doing that. Um, Like we, uh, we had something called the loose ends list where like, uh, you know, if we introduced like, you know, a character who was like an elevator operator or something and like people, then like the players started talking to him too much and then they leave and, uh, and you know, the elevator attendant is just like, well, I have no other life now. We're like, oh no, I think the elevator attendant's going to be on the loose ends list. Like who knows when we'll see him again. Maybe we'll throw him in. And then like, I don't know, like months or years later, we'd be like, they'd be in some desperate scenario and they're like, the elevator's broken. The space station's going down. No one's going to help us. And they're like, I know one person who can help us. And then <laughs> go to the loose ends list, the elevator attendant from three years ago. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. So and I I love too because, yeah, well, I I love too because like like you said, like you and your friends had developed like ways to kind of host it. But I feel like in in a lot of cases with games like this and being the fact like I've never played a bunch of D&D in in my life, I've only Mm -hmm. kind of experienced it tangentially, like being in the room with friends who were playing. Mm -hmm. And it's always seemed like I or at least I've felt kind of at arm's length, like this seems like too much for me. But the fact that like you're giving like the DM essentially like the tools to kind of like almost encourage the improv. And like, mm-hmm. they're usually whoever's going to be the one DMing is going to be the one that's trying to like s- essentially sell their friends on playing this game with them. Um, at least that's my experience with playing board games or tabletop games. You know, there's somebody who's like, no, you just got to learn once you learn, it'll be fun. Yeah. I promise. And like, but if you kind of take some of that stuff out of the other players hands and just have it available for the DM to kind of, mm. you know, n- navigate the, you know, the nuances of the game and just let everybody else kind of have fun. Not that I'm not that they're just sitting there passively, but um, I don't know. I, I think that's a really smart design. Like you just give the DM a lot of control. Yeah. One of the thing that one of the things that was super important for us uh, was to have a character sheet that was really intuitive to fill out. Uh, and Brian Shepard, uh, our artist for this project, um, just absolutely poured so much time and attention into the uh, the character sheet where there are little rules reminders on the character sheet of how to build your character. It flows really nicely. Like you just kind of start at the top and work your way down to the bottom. And um, or if you want, if you really want, you can start your way at the bottom, work your way up to the top. Like it's yeah. really intuitive to read and it's really intuitive to make a character. Uh, you don't really need a whole episode uh, or a whole session to make a character you can just kind of be like i kind of want to be a strong guy who nobody really respects but he's got a heart of gold be like okay brawn uh no presence and a little bit of charm there you go there's your character okay and then the rest is just playing that character up like finding out what that character's shtick is and like staying true to your concept and like having that character evolve over time like the the mechanics are there to reinforce the the improv but the improv kind of comes first, like what you can bring to the game uh, as like as far as a personality and your own creativity is always going to be more important than me, like making you like, I don't know, do too much math or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I that's actually funny. You say uh, too much math because I was just going to ask, like, so how do you go from designing something like hack, which I believe maybe came into fruition mm-hmm. as uh, this is like a video game roguelike mm-hmm. with, you know, that's one of the things as much as I love playing, you know, physical board games, I do love like the few games that. I've experienced that are kind of like maybe they're not even a real board game, but, you know, they're even like a deck building roguelike mm-hmm. or something like the fact that I don't have to physically like shuffle my cards and bend them up or, yep. you know, just just do all the math of like how these uh, power ups or even playing like Magic the Gathering. You know, I got to have all my Moncala beads and stack them on top of my cards to remember like what's tilted. And, <laughs> you know, there's just so much stuff to keep track of where like a game like hack. Mm. It's kind of just doing it all for you. You just have to keep track of what you want to do. Yeah. So do, do you feel like 
like I, I just find it really interesting because in a way a, a turn-based roguelike plays a lot like a board game i mean it really does especially hack yeah I I would say um, if I've learned anything from developing both a, a tabletop game and video games is that there are some things that video games do super well that's really annoying to do in tabletop games. And there are some things that tabletop games do super well that's absolutely impossible to do in a video game. And just sort of learning the differences between the two has been really helpful because uh, I, I think for a while it looked like D and D was going to be more and more influenced by video games. And it still is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because D and D influenced video games. And then like the video game influence kind of went back to D and D and there's yeah. some really mechanically rich stuff happening in the D and D sphere that deserves like, you know, uh, like it, it, it deserves like the, the hype it gets. But at the same time, I, I, think um I, I think having worked on both it's just uh i want to emphasize what's good about tabletop games when i make a tabletop game and what's good about tabletop games are the people around you and the the stories you make together it's not so much like these really intense like having to go to a table to see if you can wield a halberd or whatever like right right uh and in a game if the computer goes to a table to see if I can wield a halberd, I'm like, this is really immersive and beautiful. And <laughs> like, they're just with, with hack, especially like having so many little uh, pieces to fiddle with is why I love um, it, it's why I love making roguelikes in general. Uh, yeah. It, it's just fun to get like really deep down and be like, okay, here we have a sword, uh, which is, you know, the basic weapon. It's got like, medium attack medium accuracy medium speed like it's it's the go-to weapon that everything's uh concerned with but take out that take down that power a little bit and like up that speed or up that accuracy and now you got a knife and it weirdly feels that way even though you're clicking the same buttons and you're like looking at two things you're like yeah i get the difference but it's like almost like feeling them the weight in your hands like Maybe that's go. Maybe that's giving like roguelikes a little too much credit for just like being things where numbers move around or whatever. But no, no. But I, I can total. I totally feel what you mean, and especially with hack. Like even mm. the, you know, there's not that much animation going on, no. but there's like enough to. It feels really impactful. Like especially with the sound design, I really like the sound design in the game a lot, um, and the music as well. And I think that's something that you do with all of your games. I know it's not your music per se, but I, I want to say it's Joe Keneally. Joe Keneally, yeah. correct name. Yeah, Joe Keneally yeah, does the music for all my games and he's absolutely incredible incredible and and very uh off the beaten path i don't know how, mm -hmm. how else to say it but like it it's very much like for example like when i first booted up hack like on the menu screen when i'm on the title screen it's like oh this music feels like what i would expect to see from mm -hmm. this game it's kind of chiptune little yeah. you know kind of lo-fi chiptune kind of feel but mm -hmm. then like when you go into the first dungeon or first level it's kind of like this like bluesy like mm -hmm. swampy guitar like <laughs> yeah, it's like it's yeah. almost like a little bit like sloppy kind of like it it almost sounds like someone just like noodling around on guitar a little bit on that first track and but it like it sets the mood like you're on this like whimsical adventure and then you got the the old man talking shit to you and like <laughs> you know just yeah. like all these weird cryptic but like really funny like i don't know it's really hard to nail that sense of humor in a game too and for it to actually translate and, and be funny uh, and I found myself like laughing out loud on numerous occasions whenever the old man would interrupt <laughs> me. But but it's not just in hack, you know, it's in all of your games that you've worked on. It's like even in like Bazooka Panic, mm -hmm. it's like this run and gun, hop and bop, roguelike platformer. But at the same time, you just kind of have these chill vibes going on. But it but it doesn't feel like it's not like, oh, I'm choosing this to clash specifically and be like juxtaposed to what's going on. Mm. It, it still feels like it fits. Yeah, the way uh, Joe and I work, I think, is really interesting because I most of the time Joe doesn't really like see the game until it's done. Um, oh, interesting. I, I'll try and send him screenshots or whatever. Uh, but I'll, most of the time it's just like a text message where I'm like, hey, I'm making a game. Um, the vibe is kind of like this. Uh, I need something for a level and maybe an alternate uh, for, like, a more intense version of that level, and then a boss, and then a title, and maybe a credits. And it's like, 
it's usually like those same like five requests over and over again. And he's like, yeah, cool. I've been listening to a lot of like uh, folk music or I've been listening to a lot of like minor protest songs from like the 1800s <laughs> or I've been, uh, you know, listening to like a lot of German synth or something like that. And yeah, I'll be like, we could totally make that work. Like for Outfoxed, which I think is one of uh, well, that was the next one I was going to bring up. Yeah. Uh, that that was one of uh, my uh, 2020 year of games games. Um, we actually made that game based on the suggestions of my Patreons. And, oh, cool. Uh, the One of my patrons suggested funk. That was their one word suggestion. I was like, Joe, I think you can do funk. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do funk. <laughs> and it's very funky. It's that that funky. game has so much. We actually just recently, uh, probably like four or five weeks ago, we did it. We played it in our uh, indie game book club. Oh, nice. Um, that we do every week. We pick like five free to play games on itch.io uh, every week. And then our discord like handful. But there's not a ton of people that dig into them every week. But mm-hmm. I know a lot of the uh, crew in there really enjoyed Outfoxed a lot. It was just like it's just like a nice short and sweet little adventure game but at least for me it it kept me like i want to play this again like i actually did get a run where i stole every piece of i think every piece of like treasure and stuff in the in the duck's mansion or whatever Uh, did you uh did you get all the wallets wallets all right so can you pickpocket the guards every guard is carrying a wallet and no it's the hardest thing to do in that game i i don't think i've gotten a full wallet run yet (laughs) It's it is not an easy game and it's no. such a cool like little take on like it's it's basically like this top down, you know, stealth game like, you know, a kind of there's a little bit of scrolling, I think, but it's essentially like one yeah. floor plan, like top down floor plan of a mansion. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's so cool. It's got so much style. And yeah, it, it is so funky. Um, and it really like that funk, like drives the energy of the game. It really does. Yeah. Like the, 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 the sneaking track, uh, that like explodes into the, you've, you've just been seen track. Like, yeah, that was one of the most challenging games to make in the 2020 year of super track games. Um, just cause I had to learn so much. I'd never made a pure stealth game before. I don't do too many top down games. Um, yeah, yeah, you do a lot of side scrolling yeah. unless it's like hack or something where it's yeah. more like turn based, I guess. Yeah, I don't do too many like top down action games. Um, and uh, the other thing uh, was I had to like learn a little bit more about like patrol AI and like giving all the guards little routes to run and like it was it was a lot. But like I'm really really proud of that Fox. I'm super glad that you uh, <laughs> that you guys have fun with it. So. Yeah, it's I, honestly all those games, and it's it's kind of blowing my mind that that was 2020 that you were doing that. I was thinking yeah. it was last year, but Jesus, man, yeah, where does the time go? But but what? So I know you mentioned that that was kind of like more of like a personal challenge. Like some of them were game jams, but was that maybe inspired a little by like what Sock Pop was doing? I know they've been doing like the game a month thing for quite some time. Um, or and then obviously I've raved about the games from Punk Cake Delicio and mm. Ad Nauseum on the podcast at this point, but they've kind of jumped on that train as well with like a patreon they're doing a game every month for the most part was that something that was like inspired a little bit by that was it just kind of like a a personal challenge especially with i know covid didn't hit right at the beginning of that year but Mm. you know close enough well we had we had done uh you know game jams before um we did uh the gmtk jam a few times that's where else walker comes from um and uh you know it was always like really satisfying to have you know, more games in our catalog. And I hadn't released, uh, too many games since hack came out. Uh, and in 2020, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of podcasts and tabletop stuff, but I'm not doing as much like video game dev stuff as I want to be doing. And I was just kind of trying to figure out a way to like, you know, uh, make this Patreon where I could be paid, for my time to work on these games. And, uh, that way I, it would, you know, I I could assure that making video games would be part of my life. Cause it was kind of getting eaten up by all the podcasts I was working on. And I was like, I was like, ah, I didn't really quit my job to be a podcaster, even though I love doing podcasts. Uh, and even, and even though like I, um, you know, I, I do quite a few of them. I was like, this is kind of, this is kind of, like consuming my life, which is a weird problem to have to be like, I'm, I'm very like, it's a weird problem to be like, Oh no, this fun thing that I do is taking over my life when I wanted this other fun thing I do to take over my life. 
Uh, well, but also I, I do think it starts to potentially, especially if you're getting away from the thing that you really want to be doing as yeah. well, if it's eating into that time, I think then you can start to get a little bitter about the thing you're doing that even if you are enjoying it, you're like, ah, but it's like now it starts to feel more like work and yeah. a little more like work over time when it was initially just like a fun thing to keep in touch with your buds, you know? Yeah. And so doing the game of game a month thing, that was important for me to sort of balance out these two pillars of my life and the two pillars of my income kind of. Uh, yeah. So, you know, tying that to the Patreon and, and making all these games and making a big spectacle of it. Like, the, I guess it was a business decision, but it was a more like I want to retake my game dev time uh, decision. And uh, yeah, uh, it was a lot of work to make one game a month. Um, I bet. Yeah. It And then uh, so we started that in January of 2020. And then, you know, two, uh, two to one and a half months later, the, you know, pandemic pops off. And right. uh, yeah, uh, I was like, well. This kind of works out because I was going to spend this year chained to my desk anyway. So, right, right, I, yeah, kind of in the cards. Yeah, worked out in a sort of one small positive out of the pandemic situation. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, as you obviously never would want it to happen, but it's like, hey, let's at least I could really go all in on this project that I was committed to already. Yeah, and like you know, now my time is you know pretty. I, I like the split of my time now between working on the Space Kings book, uh, working on video games and working on podcasts like i feel like i found a nice balance but i don't know if i would have gotten there without doing the game a month thing um because that sort of increased my reach a little bit and it uh you know having the monthly uh patreon money really really helped me <laughs> finally move out yeah. of my parents house <laughs> so yeah with like the patreon stuff like you went from doing the game a month and i, I believe you still have that patreon going did you find it yeah. like kind of awkward to transition out of that like hey you're supporting me and i'm not gonna be you know doing these regular releases like i was before i know you're still working on stuff obviously yeah but. i found it super awkward um but i don't think my patrons did they were all super supportive of me and they're all really like proud of me for finishing up um like that year of games like for keeping my promise and yeah when i sort of explained to them that hey uh i'm not gonna do a game every month in 2021 i'm gonna yeah because i feel like i've explored the space like i one i'm tired two i feel like i've explored the space and i I know what a monthly game by me looks like now. There's nothing really here to do. Like I want to try seeing what a two month game looks like or a three month game, but I promise like once a month you'll get something to download, something to play. Like there'll be, there'll be something new. So I really liked the last uh, game I did for December in 2020, which was Bazooka Panic. And I was like, yes, I, I like it as well. <laughs> I, I was like, I think this game has legs. I think this game is really good. And I, I know it's going to be a big project to like turn this into like a retail level thing. But I, I think I could be really happy if I, uh, you know, if I did that journey. And it'd be nice to kind of work on it at my own pace. And I'm like, I'll still yeah. do the occasional game jam. Uh, I released. At least four games last year, uh, if you don't count Bazooka Panic, which was a lot of my work last year. Um, yeah, and uh, I, 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 I feel like this the secret to overcoming the awkwardness, as it always is, is just communication. I was like, yeah, I was like, look, the Patreon's changing a little bit. Um, y- you know, where we're we're gonna try doing new games and stuff like that, and most people are we're thrilled. Like most people are just like, I'm happy you're making stuff, and I'm happy I get to help you out. Um, Yeah, like I love what you're doing already and I would love to see it on a bigger scope. Like I'd love to see something that, that, yeah, I could purchase from you or that other people can purchase after, you know, it being supported or whatever. And I it's a lot of work to overcome the nervousness that comes from people supporting your work monetarily, because you think that the person who gives you like 50 bucks a month is going to be like all up in your business, uh, like like having thoughts about every single thing you put out they're not they have other important things to do the person that gives you like one dollar a month might like be like hey you should do this or like they might be a little they they might be a little more vocal uh than the fifty dollar a month like it's so wild to see like folks on patreon who like give me all this money and then they're like yeah just do whatever you want 
I, I don't, I don't yeah. care. I, I like what you do. That's why I'm giving you money. And I'm like, okay, thank you. Yeah, it, it is like, a, you know, the only thing at the, I've been unemployed for quite some time and I've been saying forever now, I'm like, the first things I'm doing, I, I do have my punk cake Patreon and that's mm. the only thing I have at the moment. And I'm like, I'm doing sock pop and super try as soon as I, <laughs> as soon as I'm like reemployed and have some income coming in again. Cause it does feel really good. Like for example, the, the game that uh, just came out recently from punk cake, it's called a uh, scavenger of Duna mini. Ooh. And I really was kind of like, they were showing off gifts in the discord and like, early gameplay and stuff as it was in development and i was like ah it's, a, it's kind of like a match three wario's woods kind of game mm-hmm. uh puzzler and i was like ah, i don't know if this one's for me it looks a little too complicated mm-hmm. i'm not loving the style that they're showing off so far and like just wasn't super into it but i was like oh but it still feels cool to like support that's like a four dollar a month patreon yeah. so it's hardly anything and i get a game every month <laughs> so it's like it, even if it strikes out it's like i want to see what they do next and and it ended up being like the more I've played it, it actually is probably my game of the year for 2021. Oh, like wow. I, it's a, cause it's like a match three puzzler kind of the Wario's Woods style. So a little bit of light platforming, I guess going on, but it's also a tower defense game at the same time. Like you're, you're scrap, you're like taking the garbage and scraps that you're uh, matching. Oh yeah. And yeah, then yeah. Building tower blocks out of those scraps that you're harvesting and whatever. And then you have to, create generators and batteries it's it's fucking crazy yeah I've seen it's like you, one of the craziest games i've seen you post about it and it always looks so chaotic and weird and cool i i, I want to check that one out it's really awesome and yeah just it's so cool because again like the next game that they're working on seems like another one that's not so much up my alley it's called shroom shroom detect <laughs> and it's like it looks kind of more like animal crossing minecraft mm. kind of gameplay where you're like crafting and but it's it just looks so cool and unique i'm like even if this ends up not being for me Mm-hmm. I want to just support people that are like putting passion and like pouring, you know, just just making stuff that they want to make and and really putting a lot of love and care into it. And it's you, it, again, even when it's not for me, it shows. And it's like I want that stuff to exist. You know, we were talking earlier about like content versus like actual like material. And this is like this is not content. This is something that is like coming straight out of someone's heart. Yeah. And I want to support that if I can. There, you know, there's like a you know, there's like a a, a local kind of quality to supporting uh, a, yeah, a small yeah. game dev where like, you know, it, it, it just feels like a closer, better relationship where, you know, folks are more willing to try things from uh, you know, that has this, that has like an actual person that they know information about. Like I try and put myself out there as much as possible by being on podcasts and um, making podcasts and like writing uh, blogs. Like when I finally, after uh, eight years of doing this, when I finally moved out of my uh, parents' place, I wrote like uh I, I, I made sure to tell everyone who is currently giving me money. Like I made sure to tell my Kickstarter people and I made sure to tell my Patreon people that you made this possible. Thank yeah. you so much. Like it, it, it's important for people to know that like these little donations can change people's lives and they can cause art to exist in the world. Like it, yeah. it's, it's uh you know, I, I think a lot of uh, game devs are nervous about putting themselves out there, but Honestly, I think knowing the person who makes your art makes you love that art even more. Oh, totally. To- it's you know, it's like with music or anything, you know, if you feel like you can relate to the artist a little bit, you yeah. know, or you, like the lyrics, like with other forms of art, like movies and whatever, there's there are there are those tangible things that you can just kind of latch onto and relate to. But with a game, it, sometimes it can if it's like a story driven adventure or whatever. But if it's just like an arcadey romp you know if you don't really know the person behind it you might the personality might not shine through but you know i I really i don't know i find that to be super interesting yeah like just how much like of an individual's like i don't know psyche or something Mm. you get like a little you get a little insight into somebody with when you play one of their games i think yeah yeah and i i I don't know i i love playing like modern stuff i love playing stuff made by huge teams but like you know, some of the, some of like the most touching art I've consumed is like, you know, what, like going to one of Joe Keneally's shows and hearing him play a new song. And then after he gets off stage, giving him a big hug and being like, Hey, I like that new song. I miss that guy too. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's really powerful knowing like the person who makes your art and knowing where that comes from. And if you can't have like if you can't have like a friend IRL who makes art that you can be like obsessed with, like I want you to get kind of that feeling 
when, you know, you read my dumb tweets and uh, listen to my stupid voice on a podcast and then play my games and be like, yeah, that's that that shit reeks of Kevin. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And it, and it definitely does. But obviously, I don't know you incredibly well or anything, but I mean, yeah. it definitely like what I was mentioning with like hack and even 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 the way you're implementing like Joe's music, for mm. example, it still feels like it's got because I've kind of attached you as like the the brand of Super Try or like the face of Super Try in a way, even though I know there are other people involved. I'm kind of like that just feels like it comes from Kevin. Like if I all of a sudden played a game of yours that was like pure chip tunes everywhere and like, I'd yeah. be like what, what's going on did did uh kevin and joe have a falling out what's going on here <laughs> you know it's like i i i really like knowing that even not knowing it but yeah knowing it just adds even a little more and i know you even mentioned that like uh like the super try crew a lot of you are like friends going back to like high school and stuff so yeah. even that's just like just knowing hey i Kevin's got to be a good guy. I'm not really friends with my friends from high school anymore. <laughs> you know, like, you know, if you're keeping in touch, it's like, I don't know. It's just like you get it. You, you get a good feel for somebody. Yeah. My, my high school is super weird. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's very weird that my connections to my high school friends matter this much in my professional life. But, uh, hey, I, they're super talented. Too, yeah. So. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of the games from 2020, um, we, we did a couple that were written by Hadley Sinclair, uh, yeah. and they are also the editor for the Space Kings book. And Oh, cool. Yeah, they, uh, they've been super helpful to this whole thing. Uh, Brian Townsend is the layout guy for, um, uh, for the Space Kings book. He's a friend from high school. Uh, Joe Keneally, friend from high school. Uh, Brian Shepard, who does art for Super Try on occasion. And also all of the art and the character sheet for the uh, Space Kings book. Uh, he's been my best friend since middle school. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. Yep. And, and and you guys, I'm assuming, grew up with like the passion of games and, yeah. and whatnot. So to be able to kind of share that and create stuff together, I mean, that's got that's just such a even me from the outside looking in, I'm like, man, that's cool. So I can only imagine how it feels like being a part of it. Yeah, I really, really uh, cherish my friends, even the ones who you know don't help me earn a paycheck. <laughs> even, you know, even, even my friends who are in the space Kings, uh, you know, test group that, uh, that I've known for like my entire life. And even the ones who just like play magic with me, uh, on the weekend who have like jobs and families and stuff, but they're like, I love that we can still play magic, the gathering together. Uh, you know, like you were in high school. I'm like, yeah, you know, that doesn't really have to change. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, great to hear that there's just like a whole whole crew of an awesome community behind uh, everything happening at Super Try over there. I'm really, really lucky. <laughs> yeah. So what uh, what do you feel like other than like Space Kings and it sounds like you're still working away on Bazooka Panic and uh, is that kind of the main focus of Super Try at the moment? Um, I, I, this month, I kind of got wrapped up in making another roguelike. Uh, oh, you were making that mobile thing. That's yeah. right. Um. Last year, I made uh, a, a game for the Double Clicks. Um, wh- one of one of the they're a they're a folk nerd band. Um, oh, cool! And they just made a musical, and they wanted to make a game to promote the musical. And uh, Laser Weber, one of the Double Clicks, and I went to high school together. Wouldn't you know? All those connections, <laughs> man! I <laughs> just yeah. needed to go to this high school, man. Uh, yeah, that's man. hilarious. Yeah, uh, and so we were, we worked together uh, to make this game to promote the musical. Uh, but they were like, Hey, this can run on a phone. Right. And I'm like, Oh, I've never made anything that can run on a phone. Can I make a thing that runs on a phone? Turns out I am able to make a thing that runs on a phone. And then I kind of forgot that I knew how to do that. And I was like, you know, there's some good roguelikes that are playable on a phone. But what if, what if I made a roguelike that was browser playable on a phone because i'm not i'm not gonna like jump into the app store like most of my like all almost all of my games except for hack and space kings like my two big major ones are free like most yeah. of the games i make are totally free and i'm like it'd be kind of fun if like kind of like wordle if you could just like go to a website yeah. and like load up a load up a, a roguelike and start playing it so yeah. i started working on uh this uh this game for this like roguelike game and I wanted to design around the the touchscreen because I'd play ga- I I don't play a lot of uh, phone games, but like the ones that have like 
like uh, you know the little D pad and the buttons uh, on the screen. Get that shit out of here, it, man! It, it never <laughs> really worked for me, and I thought that's kind of what they all were. But it, me too, yeah. It turns out like it turns out it's a really fun design space to work in if you just like design for the actual touchscreen. Just be like, yeah, don't get the controller out of your mind and just design around the touchscreen. So learning how learning how to do that is. Pretty fun, more fun than I thought it would be, and also removed a little bit of snobbery from me around yeah, mobile yeah. games. I'm more like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. There's some, and I, you know, I like, um, uh, I like Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery, and I love Florence, and there's some amazing mobile games out there. But uh, yeah, I, I'd never been like, that's the kind of game I'm gonna make. Uh, so right, this has been and that, a fun thing to explore. And like the roguelike format, like I, I think we kind of touched on this earlier, mm. but I, I know I kind of like there was one game specifically that I was playing one time. I think it's called Streets of Red mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of like a beat em up arcade roguelike. But mm. it really like so you get like a currency in the game as you kill enemies and mm-hmm. you can either use that at the end of a level to buy like an upgrade or perk. Or if you die, you can actually like spend those coins and it keeps going up each time you die, how much you have to spend to like respawn. And in my head, I was like, man, this really is like a lot of these roguelikes with permadeath are really recreating that feeling of like pumping quarters into yeah. an arcade machine and like one more try, one more try. And so I really think on mobile, like because like again, like not all some roguelikes take, you know, a few hours to play through a session or whatever, but some are like five like nuclear throne might be 30 yeah. seconds for me, you know, if I might die like that. So it's like the idea of like, oh, a short little kind of more puzzly focus, like you're thinking it's not so it doesn't have to be an action game, basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah, roguelikes, I just feel like you can throw you can layer so many interesting mechanics and like puzzly but strategy like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's so much potential there in such a small space. And, and part of it is just like there, there's this like scene in Adventure Time where like uh, Finn is like in a dungeon and he's like monsters, traps swords treasure i'm in my element and like <laughs> that's how i feel like just a dungeon is my comfort zone like a vi- a really video gamey high fantasy dungeon is where i want to be and being able to like make those spaces like just this is why i make games like i feel like i found my purpose when i can make these little dungeons so Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to see more of not only this this mobile, you know, web based roguelike thing. But but again, yeah, I'm kind of similar to you, like with the touch controls, like Mm -hmm. not that I play a ton on mobile, but I've recently been playing a ton of games that only control with like the mouse Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and you're just kind of tapping around like the equivalent of just touching around on a touch screen. And I I really enjoy that experience a lot more than I ever thought I would. Again, not being much of like a PC gamer, but I'll hook up like my laptop HDMI to my TV lay back in my recliner and have like the mouse on the armrest and I'm just sitting there, you know, playing townscaper or something and, you know, just relaxing. Yeah. Like with it, it it's a great relaxation thing. Cause like, I like to have a beer and like, yeah. you know, when I, when I did the controls for hack, I made sure it was playable with one hand. So like you could have like a glass of whiskey or a glass of wine or a beer or something and like, just kind of click through and play. Um, and you know, hack is a, a little too much work to bring to mobile. So I figured I'd just sort of start with something a lot simpler and, uh, start, start making that for the browser. Nice. Yeah. And for what it's worth, hack plays great with a game pad as well. Like I played with the mouse for a very long time and then I switched over to game pad and I was like, man, this works really well, which sometimes yeah. it can be overwhelming for those types of games. Like just remembering all the buttons, but felt pretty intuitive to me. Yeah. My goal with hack was always to make, you know, the turn-based rogue, like a little more, um, I guess I guess uh, accessible. Um, that that word has a lot of different meanings, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted people to feel at home when they played it. Like if you like playing with the keyboard, the keyboard's open to you. Um, if you, you if you're used to playing all your games on a controller, we're, so am I. We're we're gonna have that for you. And if you want to yeah. just play it with a mouse and have a and have a beer, then you can do it that way too. And that was. Uh, yeah, that was, I, I'm really happy with how hack sort of became, it doesn't feel like a casual roguelike. Uh, I'm sure there are some hardcore folks who would put it in that category because it is possible to win a game of hack. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I, I, I wanted hack to be sort of like an ambassador game to, you know, the net hacks and the powders and the, the kind of more like crusty, difficult, like true gray beard roguelikes like i wanted people to be like well i really liked hack 
what was it like what was it based on like what was it going off and then having this whole new genre to explore i thought that was a really appealing way to design an ambassador game like that that's a that's a good way to put it too because yeah it's, it's a little snappier than some of those more like traditional roguelikes and i'm just realizing we didn't even talk about powder on the last episode <laughs> I, t- I t- you just brought it up i was like jesus i wrote it down i didn't even uh didn't even mention it next have me on again I'm, i'll probably still be obsessed with powder <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful. We'll definitely do that. Yeah. But yeah, that I I totally agree because for me, it was kind of a, like Downwell and Enter the Gungeon were mm. the two games that kind of got me into the roguelike genre. Yeah. Obviously, those aren't like anything like a traditional roguelike, but it just kind of opened my eyes like, oh, this is like even just learning about Rogue, the original. Mm. Like it's like, oh, this is what like all these games are kind of pulling from this core like basically just implementing this permadeath mechanic and and buffs and power ups and just kind of throwing it into a, any kind of genre basically. Yeah, one of the best uh, reviews I ever got for Hack was uh, someone who loved Binding of Isaac, and they're like, "This game is great because it's like Binding of Isaac, but I have a I have a child now, and so I can't be glued to my screen and like I." You know, it's kind of annoying to pause and unpause Binding of Isaac, but like with the turn based thing, it just I can just like walk away and nothing really changes. So the right. this was this was great to play as a new parent. And I'm like, that's so awesome because I never thought of it that way because I'm coming like I'm coming at it from this perspective of there were roguelikes that were freeware back in the day. And then uh, game devs like took that formula and made it actiony. And then I yeah. took the actiony stuff and I made it turn-based again. But uh, some folks are like, I came in on like the actiony roguelike and I have no idea what came before that. And this is a cool right. evolution. And I'm like, I thought it was a devolution. I thought I was going backwards. So I don't know. It's just video games are cool. I love I love people with new perspectives on video games. I I wish the roguelike community was slightly more welcoming to all of these kids who post on r slash roguelikes being like, I really love, uh, 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 you know, Slay the Spire and Binding of Isaac. What kind of games would you guys recommend? And they're like, none here. Go to go to. Yeah, it's like you don't need to gatekeep. Like, yeah. Just give someone another recommendation. Like, yeah. It doesn't even if you don't consider it a roguelike or roguelite or whatever you want to call them, like. Who cares if it's a fun game? Yeah. It's a fun game. G- genres should not like bind us as heavily as uh, the rogue, the the truly like insufferable roguelike community. <laughs> like, yeah, not it that can be extreme. Yeah, not that everyone in that community is like being super nitpicky or whatever. It's just like a small portion of people who are taking the this idea of genre too literally and they'll probably skewer me on twitter when you can you can do that if you go to (laughs) twitter.com slash real kevin cole yeah it's it's just like yeah again games they can be serious but you don't need to take that aspect of it so seriously in my opinion it's it's not worth the energy to put into it like just spend the energy on playing a cool game instead yeah or or telling someone about a cool like i'm always of the mindset of like there's so many good, cool, fun games out there. I'm never going to waste my time like bad mouthing another game. Like I might nitpick it or, you know, I'm not like going to glow, you know, rave review everything we talk about on the podcast or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have my gripes. But at the end of the day, there's if I'm not enjoying a game I'm playing, I'm just going to move on to the next game. Yeah. I'm not going to sit there and bitch about it and tell everyone that they shouldn't play that game. Mm-hmm. You know, just seems crazy to me. I, I think these days, too, like, um, you can tell more, at least I can tell more if I'm going to enjoy a game, uh, if I know like the, the person making it and like, uh, a little bit about like how it was made. Like, is it totally indie? Is it a single team? Is it it like a one man team or a one person team is like, uh, what, like, how was it made? Like, that'll tell me more about if I'm going to enjoy the game, than it's a roguelike, it's a shooter, it's a first person shooter. Cause like, we're we're there like there's more than one type of uh first person shooter there's more than one type of rogue like there right the, right the getting has never been gooder for video game genres there's so much good stuff out there but if i know a little bit about the story behind the game i'm probably going to enjoy the game more if that makes any sense that, that makes perfect sense like even for example like uh we talked about last week go go pogo girl like yeah. following the development and the progress and seeing that go from like kind of a more master system inspired game to now being like a genesis inspired game and yeah. like you know just seeing the evolution of that was just like oh man and like seeing 
seeing Osad or Ando get super excited about like, hey, I'm taking this game to the next level. Like I'm going to properly release like my first Steam game. And it's like, oh, man, like I already would have gravitated towards this game just because it's my kind of game. But then knowing like that excitement that he has for it and the passion, it's like, yeah, I'm just like. You can feel it, especially mm. if you kind of feel like you tangentially know the person a little bit. Exactly, exactly. And I'm not saying everyone should develop a parasocial relationship with game devs, like. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I am just saying, like, you know, more transparency and like humanizing the people who work on stuff, especially uh, when it comes to like discussions about like labor unions in in game dev space. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think too often devs are reduced to like fat like. I don't know, like pieces of a machine, like pieces of the factory or whatever. And like, we're people, we put our personal touches on things. And if you know, if you know that, I think one, you'll look at games a little more charitably and two, you'll enjoy them more because you'll have a personal connection to the product. Yeah. And I, I still, it blows my mind when I see people going like, oh, I beat this game in two hours. I'm going to refund it. I'm like, what is what? what? Like, yeah. I, it costs you less than a movie ticket. That would be like an hour and a half. And you're going to see the new Marvel movie in 3D and for like $25 a ticket. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, it's like you can't pay 10 bucks for a, a Leckhead. Come on. <laughs> I mean, people should absolutely pay whatever they're asking for a Leckhead. Yes. Leckhead's- I was shocked that it was only $10. Ah. Like, no matter how short it is, like, so polished. Shocked. <laughs> I totally missed that. I was the way you pointed at the screen. I was like, "Oh shit! Did our audio mess up or something?" <laughs> you you always you have a knack for doing the perfect electricity pun in the in the like head proximity, and it gets me every time. <laughs> oh man! Apparently, I'm I'm a comedian <laughs> or an idiot, one or the other one. <laughs> Oh, but that's super exciting. I really, really can't wait to see. And I, I have one more question, actually. Sure. That, so I know Super Try has like that little symbol between Super and Try. Yeah. And I'm curious, what is, what is that little symbol called? It's kind of like almost like an ellipses, but the that, the middle period is like a little bit raised above the. Yeah, that is the symbol of logical consequence. Um, OK, so it, it, people call it the therefore sign. So um, if if you're like uh, uh, if you're like doing like uh, like classic logic stuff you're like um people like dogs uh kevin is a person therefore kevin likes dogs like i see i see yeah yeah that the it it's used in like um logical philosophy but it's also like it it to me it represents like the if then statements that uh programming is based on um, okay the the name super try i came up with when i was like maybe like 14 or 15 uh, it kind of has that energy to it yeah. in the best way. Like it feels like it's just like, I want to make a game company and I'm going to call it super try. Yeah. Super try is, I, I feel like it encapsulates this sort of, um, more, uh, like more energy than sense sort of, sort of, uh, <laughs> philosophy that I like to bring to the games. Like, you know, with a lot of people take it as like a marker of these games are difficult and you're going to have to super try to beat them. But that's not really where it came from. It just kind of came from like a youthful enthusiasm that I thought. That's how it feels to me yeah. too. And especially even with that like opening splash screen, mm. you know, and like the little like, you know, ping or ding yeah. or whatever. It's it's so perfect. It's such, uh, every time I boot up one of your games, it gives me that feeling of just like, yes, I'm in for a treat. Yeah. And I know it's kind of, um, I don't know. I, I feel like the splash screen, like if no one knows what the hell you're, your game is about like it has that like welcome to my video like youtube quality to it yeah yeah but like i don't know i love i love the fact that you know i make games and like i have a little game company logo like i i I love when i see it it feels so like official to me i'm like yes this is like i'm i'm here like this dev thought of everything that's like (laughs) that's like my first thought is just like okay they thought of every detail in this game yeah i think if uh if you're proud enough of your game to put that little like logo splash screen on it, then people, the people you want to pick up on that enthusiasm will pick up on that enthusiasm. And yeah, yeah, that's sort of what the super try thing is about is it's uh, the, the little like therefore thing was uh, I back in college, like I took a lot of philosophy classes. Um, My, my major, I was a rhetoric major. I was, uh, um, you know, so arguing and and logic and philosophy and stuff. (laughs) That's, what I got my degree in and uh, then I became a programmer and I'm like, oh, there's some like 
you know, minor parallels between that. So the therefore sign is just like kind of a little throwback to my degree. <laughs> nice. That's really cool. I like that there's like some me- even some meaning behind that. You yeah. Know, even the little thing that I thought in my head just, oh, that just looks cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, you know, most people just think it's a square triforce or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> even, But yeah, even the colors you picked, you know, it's it's like kind of just like the primary colors, but definitely yeah. more of like a magenta and like it, you know, they just have like a little bit of a. Again, it just has that like youthful energy to it. Something about it. it. It jumps off the screen a little bit. Yeah, I I I really wish I I, w- I wish it was like a little bit better thought out because it was kind of just I'm flying by the seat of my pants. Because uh, things happened really fast for me in 2013. Like I got angry, and then my one of my um, uh, coworkers told me that I had just quit my job. They had to explain to me that I just quit my job, and I was like, oh, oh yeah, I did say all those things. I did quit my job. Okay. Well, I guess I better, (laughs) I guess I better do something else. Uh, like make this video game I'd been working on my free time. So I'm like, okay, if I'm going to make a video game, I need a logo. So, uh, let's go with the old name for, uh, my, that I put on my doom mods back when I was 15. So yeah, yeah, that's that. And then super try is just sort of like, yeah, that's what it, it it became this, whatever this is, it, it became this. Well, I'm I'm here for whatever it is now, and I'm definitely super excited to see what you got coming down the pipeline. Because yeah, you, I again, I'm just gonna gush some more. But yeah, everything I've ever played of yours is just top top notch, and I really, really am excited to like. Again, I'm not the biggest tabletop player, but I'm really kind of curious to like. You know, I I don't know. I I'm, I've always been just like a little bit tempted to get into the D and D stuff because I do have a lot of friends mm. that do that stuff. So something that's like a little more. You know, and again, like you're saying that I have a little bit of a connection to I don't have any connection to Dungeons and Dragons, you know, but I do have like, hey, Kevin made this like I'm curious to just see where what's going on with it. So I I don't know if I can talk some friends into checking it out. I I hope I can because I don't know. I miss board gaming. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we've been doing a lot of uh, Space Kings via, uh, you know, Zoom and other like video chats and it, it works pretty well. As, as well as it can. Um, but hopefully, yeah. hopefully, uh, you know, pandemic's going to ease up a little bit uh, in the springtime. And, um, you know, uh, around then, hopefully, if everything goes right, we'll have we'll have a tabletop game for everybody to play. And that'll be fun. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Well, uh, I think we can probably wrap up the chat in here so I don't take up uh, any more of your time here today, uh, Kevin. But again, uh, Kevin's pretty much everywhere on the Internet. Again, (laughs) I'll have links in the episode description. But I mean, we didn't even talk about your Goosebuds podcast. If you're a fan of Goosebumps at all, I know you've been kind of doing a lot of that as of late, it seems. I have. Um, Okay, Uh, uh, if uh, if you want to hear me talk about uh, Goosebumps books, for the last year, uh, I've uh, I've I've been um, I've graduated from editor to editor host of uh, the Goosebuds podcast, uh, which you can find on any of your podcatcher apps by putting in Goosebuds. Uh, me and my friends Chad and Paul talk about Goosebumps books. It's a silly time. There's lots of swears, uh, and we try and sort of make sense of these stream of consciousness books that R.L. Stein wrote for children. It's a really fun show. And especially I grew up kind of reading those books I was mentioning earlier, at least admiring that I would kind of like check them out at the library and flip through. I don't think I ever really read them all that much, yeah. but just kind of skim them and whatever and get the gist of the story. And I even well, there was a show too, right? Or, yeah, or no. Yeah. Yeah. There, we occasionally dip into episodes of the show, but I've also been uh, I've also gotten the chance to like review some other like uh, 90s adjacent stuff. Like we watched a few Pete and Pete episodes. Oh, I, li- I think I listened to one of those. Yeah. I remember listening to a Pete and Pete thing from you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Which was an old Nickelodeon show that I absolutely adore. And they were like, and my, my fellow co-hosts were like, yeah, we can talk about that on Goosebuds. Why not? Yeah. It fits. Yeah. Uh, I also have a uh, podcast called Pretend Friends, uh, which already has three seasons on the on the old Internet. Um, where if you want, if you're interested in uh, Space Kings, go check out Pretend Friends again. It's on all the podcatcher device things <laughs> i know i never know what to say either yeah. <laughs> you can find it you know how to use you know how to type a thing in like you, get, you yeah. got it guys you can do it uh <laughs> pretend friends um uh i do that with my friends uh paul nick and josh um it's a, a really good time 
Um, maybe it's one of the best things I've ever made. We'll see. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, we're going to do a new season of that sometime soon. We've we've recorded a few episodes, but we uh, we're we're waiting on some uh, some editing and some assets. So I'm kind of uh, yeah. We'll, awesome. We'll have more of that soon. Um, I also have a secret podcast uh, on my Patreon. If you give me a dollar, you can listen to a podcast called Heart Cannon where uh, I talk to a couple of my friends about who make art about, uh, you know, something, a piece of art that really means something to them. Um, and the idea is I'll research it and I'll, I'll play it if it's a game, I'll read it if it's a book, I'll listen to it if it's an album. And then we have like a deep conversation about it. And uh, if you like podcasts where people talk about something enthusiastically, that's a good one. Uh, and that's on that my... sounds great. Yeah, that's I love that idea. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to have you on, by the way. Oh, I'd, I'd love to come on. Yeah, um, I'm I I just started plans for uh, rebooting that uh, uh, podcast for my patrons. Um, so that's coming back soon as well. Uh, you can find that and um, more of my stuff on uh, my Patreon, which is at givekevinmoney.com. I love it. Yep. <laughs> I'm on a lot of podcasts, so I needed something like simple and silly for my Patreon. Yeah, but, it definitely. You remember it. As soon as you see it, you're like, yep, I'll remember that one. But if, if you, if you, you know, if you're not in the giving money stage of, uh, of our friendship yet, I super get that. If you, <laughs> uh, if you, uh, if you just want to give me a follow on Twitter, uh, I'm on uh, twitter.com slash real Kevin Cole or at real Kevin Cole. Um, if you could follow me there and maybe see if, if I'm still a cool person after you read my tweets, that helps me out a lot. Uh, and if you just want to play some video games, uh, you can play, uh, almost all of my super try games for free in your browser at, uh, supertry.itch.io or supertrystudios.com. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. And I guess it's worth mentioning, too, that I'm sure if you're listening to this, there's a good chance you probably picked up that uh, Itch.io bundle for racial justice and equality a couple years ago. So Hack was uh, included in there. So if you have somehow managed to not dig through uh, all 8000 of those games yet. Yeah. um, I think it's worth digging into Hack. It was one of my favorites from that bundle, although there are so many, it's hard to pick just one. But I really, really got sucked into that one. (laughs) Thanks so much, dude. Uh, Hack is also in the Palestinian aid bundle. So if you got that bundle too so you know even better even better just just to see this is what i mean like you feel like i can i can support (laughs) the folks at super try you know they're just good people they're getting behind these good causes you Mm -hmm. know putting their work behind this important cause you know it's i mean they itchio raised i don't i don't remember how much they raised for the palestine bundle but yeah. it was like nine it was like eight or nine million dollars it, it went very well <laughs> yeah it, it just insane when there's like these other huge you know you didn't see microsoft doing anything or right. sony or any of these nintendo any of these big companies so it's, right. it's so cool to see like these small people like yourself who are you know like you're not in a position to like really give your game away for free financially but you're like hey you know what i want to i want to yeah you know because i care about this cause and i just think it's so cool it makes me feel extra good about buying games from anyone who included their stuff in in any of those itchio bundles yeah and you know i'd say if um I, i don't know if anyone who listens to this would be like on the fence about itch, but I'd say don't underestimate itch. If you're a developer or uh, just a a gamer, like there's amazing stuff on that platform. That platform has the best interest of uh, I think both players and devs in mind. I I think itch is not done growing yet. I think that's, Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. Especially with like how, how uh, some of those bigger game jams like GMTK and Mm -hmm. Ludum Dar have really kind of taken off and, and kind of use itch as like a, not so much Ludum Dar, but they kind of use it as like a hosting platform. And I think those game jams are just going to grow and grow, especially as we see stuff like Alekhead coming out of like so many games that are like, Oh, this started as a game jam idea. Mm -hmm. Now it's a game you can buy. Yeah. Um, I just think that's just going to get bigger and bigger. So I can't wait. I've found so many amazing devs, including yourself. And yeah, it's just been it's been quite a journey ever since picking up that bundle. I'm in I'm in a whole new gaming world, I feel. Yeah. So but uh, but yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's all my stuff. I'm sorry. Oh, and if you want to if, if you're interested in this whole Space Kings thing and you want to know when that comes out, you can sign up at spacekings.space. That is all the stuff I have to plug. That's all my things. I'm sorry. It Beautiful. Was so much. No, that's that. That just gets me more pumped. It's just like, man, you got so much passion, so many things cooking. I, I 
yeah, can't recommend keeping track of everything Kevin Cole and the folks at Super Try are up to. But uh, yeah, in the meantime, we will uh, catch you all next week. Thanks again, Kevin, for taking so much time out of the day to uh, chat with us for a couple episodes here. And uh, yeah, thanks again and take care, everybody. Thanks so much for having me, Kevin. See you guys. I'm always baffled by how like how it's not in sync when you're live. And I'm like, but how, could, how, how come it doesn't feel like there's that much lag? Like when we're talking, I never feel like I'm like, wait, you know, like there's like a long gap for you to respond. It's like, it's so quick. It's so weird. Yeah. It, it's a miracle. Any of this video stuff works because uh, I imagine the complexity behind it is mind boggling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. When I think about discord, especially I'm like, mm-hmm. how does this work? And this is just my one server that I'm on. Like think about every, how many people have their own and they're running streams and videos and it's fucking crazy, man. Yeah, man. Discord also started as a video game, but then they're like, we're just going to take the chat feature we wrote for it and use that instead. It started as a game yeah. itself? Yeah. Oh, okay. I knew I knew it was a game like focused like platform, but I didn't know it started as a game. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, we have a visitor. Oh, nice. This what's uh what's her name? His is, name? This is Houdini. She's Houdini. She, yeah, she's she's uh just going to kind of hover over me for this. <laughs> That's an amazing cat name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I adopted her with that name. It wasn't my choice. It was uh, oh, nice. One of my old coworkers, um, uh, his his uh, grandpa can uh, keep the cat. So I was like, I will take this lovely little little miss. <laughs> <laughs>